You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series that syndicates for the A-List Online, and my name is Andrew Mackay-Smith. I hope you're well. The interview subject coming up for you is Bjorn Jalot from the outfit In Flames. Now, Bjorn, if you're listening, my apologies if my Australian brain has not been able to get around how to pronounce your Swedish surname. Now, the reason for the chat is to promote Clayman, believe it or not. So I remember that. Year 2000, it came out originally. It's the 20th anniversary. Uh, it'll be out, the reissue, on the 28th of August, and I believe the band have either remixed or remastered it. Fuck, I should get that right before I do these introductions, shouldn't I? Anyway, we do talk about that through the chat. We'll get to it anyway. But I must say, uh, In Flames, in particular Bjorn's guitar work, I think has been enormously influential. So he's one of those guys I had on the bucket list that I always wanted to talk to. And here we are. So here he is, Bjorn Jalot from In Flames. Bjorn, Andy Mackay-Smith, how are you going? Hey, how's it going, man? Good, yeah. Mate, these conferences are so weird, aren't they? You sort of drop in on the conversation already happening and you're just you're yeah. sort of hoping <laughs> that the person before you knows when their time is up and you don't want to interrupt or intrude yeah. or anything like that, mate. So, look, that would be yeah. my first question for you, mate. How's the, the conference call been going? Have we been treating you well? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's. I'd rather people call me because then they have my number if it breaks up they can always call me back and stuff like that but this yeah. is kind of working as long as people know to redial if they get cut, cut off you know then then this is fine I, I i guess this is the worst or the the regular day now for a lot of people conference calls yeah. and, and skype calls and zoom calls instead of actually interacting with people you know it's uh i think this is a the every day now for people i'm not well, used to it but yeah, I like I like to do my interviews face to face. You know, when you sit there, and yeah, then you can. It's more of a discussion than than like an interview. I like that. I did too. I got to tell you, I've I've done. God, I think I'm up to almost 600 interviews at this point. Um, and yeah. the conversations are so much better than the bloody awful interview style thing. So, mate, you can only, you can expect <laughs> a conversation from me. I can assure you. You know, but look, I've got to kick it off somewhere uh, formally, I suppose, and say that. Yeah. Uh, Look, I'm an old fan. Uh, I'm from the 90s because I'm in my. I'm mm-hmm. about the same age as you. I'm in my mid 40s. And um, look, I, I remember when you guys broke back in the mid mid 90s when nobody gave a shit about metal. But uh, you know, I'll go even a bit further back and I'll say that if At the Gates could be credited with bringing melodic death metal to the world's attention, it's my view that In Flames popularised it. And you were there pretty much since the start. I know nobody from the debut was still in the band, but you've been around as long as anybody. Um, your your mm-hmm. second album to your fifth album, Clayman, are just magnificent, mate. I'm going to give, I offer you a sincere congratulations for being a part of the collective that crafted those albums because they are so important to heavy metal fans, those four albums, because that was an era, and remember this, that was an era when mainstream media types at the Rolling Stone, NME in the UK, and all these other self-important fuckwits at music magazines took great mm-hmm. pleasure in shitting on heavy metal in general. But you guys, and very few others, took the torch. It was really because of you guys. You know, Cradle of Filth with Stuart Anstis back in it, the band back in those days, really taking mm. heavy metal in a brand new direction. And to the point, mate, where these days that I reckon just about every metalcore band ever owes you guys a debt of gratitude. So I guess after I've said all of that and just to kick off the conversation, you know, I mean, out of all of <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, man. These are, these are big things you're saying. And, yeah. you know, being being... Part of it back then wasn't really like, oh, I'm shit. I'm in a scene. I got to do something. It, mm. it we were just making music we wanted to hear, and 
And since, as she said, uh, grunge was all over the place, or even, you know, metal was, as she said, taking a beating, but not in our mm. circuit, not in our, you know, bunch of friends or anything. And I, I got lucky to, to meet some really cool friends with, with a vision back then, or actually a functioning band that, you know, that had a record deal and, and they were going to make a record and, and they didn't give a fuck what was, what was going on. It, it yeah. really was that simple. And I love that attitude. And I love the fact that I could be part of the writing right away, even though I played drums on the first couple of records. That's and, right. Yeah. And of course, I mean, we did. The first one I recorded uh, was Just Race. I joined one that we recorded in uh, yeah. Subterranean DP that was right before that. But, and of course, we, we listened to a ton of Gates and especially Slaughter of the Soul. That was like, for us, Jeez. this is Landmark. not yeah. the songs we want to make, but we mm. wanted to sound like that, you know, because yeah. it was so massive. And, and we came to Fredman and we'd recorded stuff in before, but when it came to, to uh, the gesture, it's like, yeah, we want to sound like this. that sound is amazing. And he just laughed and said, yeah, good luck, he said, because it's like <laughs> they spent seven weeks in the studio perfecting Shit. that sound. They did thousands of takes and it was so much hard work. And we had 11 days, including mix. So he said, yeah, it's not going to happen. But So we, we had to twist and turn, find our own way of, of getting a sound that we thought was really heavy. And that's sort of how we always have done it. We know there's limitations to our, you know, to what we can do music. I mean, technically with our instruments, but, but there's always ways to, to, to find a way around that and, and achieve what you want to do. So, and then working with Tredman at the time was extremely fun. It was more like a part of the band than anything. But on Clayman okay. later, it was more of a job for him. That was that was a huge difference, and that, there's a couple of years in between there. That he, I think, he sure. got his family, like kids and stuff like that, and mm. so his uh, priorities changed, and and ours didn't. So I think that's why that was the last one we did with him. Okay, because you know, the band, yeah, record the, at night. We wanted to, you know, drink beer and all that stuff, and yeah. we wanted to work between nine, nine and five. You know. But I mean, I mean, you know, you're one of those bands at this point where if you say to somebody in the heavy metal that really knows their shit, you know what I mean. But if you say Horacle, mm-hmm. they know it's you guys. If you say Clayman, they know it's you guys. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like you don't even need to mention mm-hmm. the name of the band. It's like saying Master of Puppets. You know who we're talking about. You, you guys are <laughs> wow, dude. <laughs> but you guys arrived at that point very early on, and, 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 I, and I can't emphasize that point enough that you were so important to heavy metal through the late '90s. But I mean, as I say, you could have picked any one of these four classic albums. Why Clayman to 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 remix? Um, well, basically because it is a 20 year anniversary and, and we figured we missed out on, actually, we don't really look back. We, that's something, you know, we've done and we've learned from it and we're super proud of it. And we just constantly bring all that with us. We, I'm not very romantic about the past. It, exactly. it was awesome, obviously, but I think now is way better and the future is looking really good if we can get rid of this shit happening right now. But yeah, besides that, it's, I, I, you know, 25 years later, I love what I'm doing. It's, it's insane. It's crazy when you think about it. And the things I've seen and done and experienced, like, it's insane. So uh, each and every album has brought me here, you know, and, and given me the possibilities to look forward uh, into the future and, and what may come, you know. So mm. for us, it's, it's never been a matter of celebrating that because that was the golden era or anything. If you... You know, if you look at the audiences, nobody gave a shit back then, really. Yeah. I mean, it was a couple of hundred <laughs> well, no, toward. Yeah. It, it's different nowadays, you know. So it's really, it's, I guess every band has this uh, 
you know, you kind of split your audience every new record you make. And, and it's funny how that splitter moves with you. You know, it's in the beginning when we did Horacle, ah, you know, it's no jester race, you know. And then yes. we did uh, Colony, it's like, well, the last good one was uh, obviously Horacle. And then it just moves on like that. Hmm. So I think the biggest changes was when me and Anders joined in, and we did uh, jester race. That, that was a big change because we started tuning down had a different bound, yeah. different influences, obviously, because I come from a more uh, rock, hard rock, you know, Sabbath, Rainbow, Purple, all yeah, that Yeah, stuff. you're Background. Iron Maiden. Yeah, Richie and Blackmore. I, yeah, yeah. But everybody loved Maiden, so that was like a, the joining. And everybody loved death metal. So it was like a, a combination of the two. But I have my music was maybe, it's very melodic or, or melody-based, but it's more about the riffing, I think, and having the melodies inside the riffs and stuff like that. Jesper was always that. He, he was fantastic when it came to melodies. Um, and yeah. I've learned a lot from him, obviously. And I, you know, I love a good melody, but I also love the, the heaviness underneath. So that mix was what, what attracted me. But mm-hmm. it's, um, yeah, it's, it's been quite a, <laughs> a journey. And, and this, I guess this happens to every band. If they, if they want to be properly true, they do what they want to do and not what they expect an audience want them to do. I understand what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, look, things are just getting better for you guys. Um, those shows that you did in Mexico with Deep Purple, you know, you played in front of, what was it, 70,000 people or something? Something ridiculous. I mean, you were playing in front of as many people as you could. I I still can't believe we played shows with Deep Purple. It's, uh, that's the band I grew up with, you know, my yeah. dad's absolute favorite band. And so I heard everything with them and having Ian Gillen come into your your dressing room after after the first show clapping his hands saying uh that was fucking good you know i have no clue what the fuck it was but it was fucking good he said okay <laughs> you know and i broke down in fucking tears you know i was i was that's amazed lovely, that's, yeah. that's my hero coming in there so I, can, I still can't believe we we did those shows and i'm super proud about it and i can't say that i remember too much of it because i was in a in a weird pink cloud somewhere i guess i don't know it's so awesome to see you guys do that sort of stuff because people don't understand how big a deal that is and i imagine you were quite nervous before Mm. you went on stage even though you've done thousands and thousands of shows but that's different isn't it playing in front of that many people with a band like that i mean very few bands there's really only you guys that have gotten to that level with a band like that in south america and in parts of the world that still attract just that many people like heavy metal never went away in Mexico, Central America, and South America, did it? No, no, no. Yeah. It just is always there, and people don't. People in Australia yeah. and the US and Europe don't understand that. I think our biggest challenge was, I mean, our what we were a bit nervous about was like the first couple of thousand were seated, and then there was like the uh, what do you call it the the, the bleachers? No. Oh, oh bleachers! Uh, well, yeah, there was no mosh pit. Yeah. Because everybody, yeah, everybody was sitting down, you know, and it's insane. Oh, wow. And we go out there and try to get that energy exchange, you know, we, we give it all, they give it all, and we all, like, race to the next level. And that was really hard in the beginning, but we figured, fuck it. We're on <laughs> deep purple stage, and some of the guys are watching us right now, all the time, you know? And yeah. I haven't felt, you know, that kind of, I mean, we played shows, a couple of shows with Metallica, and that's the same way. When you have Lars or somebody standing side stage watching you, it's like, that's just surreal. The show is the show. We know what we're doing, you know, and we love every minute of it, you know? But uh, stuff like that, it, it kind of sticks out a little bit, you know? Hmm. So, so that was, yeah. 
Yeah, but killer. the challenge was to, to get that energy up there because everybody was sitting down, you know, it's, it's really hard. But I think we yeah. won them over. And, and there's obviously an age difference in our audiences, but I think it actually sure. came over pretty well, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, what's really interesting too is I, I listened to Eddie Trunk and he's a fan mm -hmm. of you guys. And I don't think he's a fan of any even – I know you guys aren't – what a typical death metal band, but you know what I'm saying. You're 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 approaching an extreme yeah. metal act, but he likes you guys. So you guys have you guys have crossed over into that mainstream audience. Do, do you recognise that? Uh, well, that's really hard to tell because I mean we do our shows, and that's really when we can see who, who's into the band or not. Because it's like that that changes. What I'm really happy to see is that we kind of rejuvenate our audience hmm. every time we go out there we see new fresh younger mm -hmm. people and hopefully a bunch of the, the ones that's been there in the past years will still be there but it, it's a really cool feeling I've, I've noticed that when you go to like player concert as well they can actually bring a couple of new kids in as well that's but i can right. see a, a lot for us you know and, and so that's i think more about that than maybe what's in you know mainstream audience I just want people to enjoy it. And, and in the end, bands that have been doing this for a number of years, they know what they're doing. So it's not going to be about the craft. It's going to be about taste. So it's like, and that you can't control. And we decided from the very get-go, I mean, as soon as we started playing live, like, okay, let's do stuff that we like, you know, mm -hmm. we find fun, uh, interesting and challenging for us because we can't control anything else. What we can control is, well, you know, make sure that we do what we want to do. And, and having that mindset has helped us through all that because, as, as we talked about earlier, it's like you, you always get to this point where you kind of divide your audience a little bit. And we got lucky and or worked hard enough or everything just starts aligned and, and we get a younger audience every now and then. And that, that's actually, that's what kept us going, you know. Hey, yourself, yourself and Anders, I mean, you guys have been there since 1995. So that's, can you believe that's 25 bloody years you've had to be around each other and yeah. smell each other's BO and yeah. listen to each other's bullshit. You know? So so what's the secret to that relationship? Um, in the beginning, everything is like peachy because it's like this is new, fresh, and you know, you're on a tour bus together in the US or you fly into Australia or you're in Japan for the first couple of times and like, and that's just, it's just, uh, it's so much going on in your head. You don't even think about what you're doing or, or any grudges or anything like that. But once you start not getting used to it, but once you've done it enough, then you have time and, and to relax and, and think about stuff. And obviously there's a, we've had numbers, numerous uh, lineup changes, and those are fucking hard to deal with every time. And it sucks because it's your brothers, you know, you've done all this together and somebody just decides it's, Say they don't want to do it anymore, and, yeah. and these are hard times. But I've I find that I've found that we've always gone out of these sort of crises stronger because we found somebody who actually wants to do this, somebody who's actually hungry again, and that re-energizes the band. So these things have obviously helped, and and getting to know each other for such a long time knows that we know each. I know Anders better than I know my own brothers and sisters. You know that that's yeah, just okay. how it is. I know him probably the best. You know. And, and likewise, I think from his vice versa, I think from, from his point of view, and we know we have the same approach. I mean, he's more of a music lover or more, let's put it a different way. Yeah. He's way more open 
to new influences and or new bands and new sounds and new ideas than I am. I'm I'm kind of old school in that way. Um, yeah, yeah, that doesn't mean I'm not uh, interested and intrigued by by stuff that's going on. I'm, I'm very interested in trying new stuff, and and that's yep. for you know better or worse basically. But for me, it, it keeps me going, keeps me having fun, and having him as a constant. Um, source of uh, new information and ideas and stuff uh, is it, actually good to have. Uh, yeah. So it's been working out really good. And, and, and you know, it's uh, after a while you realize you can't just fuck around when you're on tour. You have to, you know, be there on time. You have to start employing people that can make sure that this is the best it's possibly going to be. We have some crews been with us for over 20 years now. Our front of house Shit. guy and tour manager, yeah. he's been with us 20 years. You know, he's grown up with us. He's a couple of years younger than us. And it's insane when you think about it. But that's, you know, it becomes a pouring family. So all these arguments that we've had or all the blah, 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 we're a family. Families have those, you know. Yep. Uh, so yeah. it, it's been a long time, but it's been a good time. Yeah. Oh, I'd love to talk more about that, mate. I think we've only got 20 minutes, have we? Is that right? Are they done in 20-minute blocks, the interviews, before the next person I comes really in? I don't know, man. Okay. Yeah, all right. Keep talking. <laughs> no worries. Well, look, what I love about you too, mate, is you're a musician's musician as far as I'm concerned because I'm a musician and I really tune into that aspect of an artist. You're a guitar connoisseur mm. and I like that and I've enjoyed watching your videos where you talk about your brand new Epiphone. But I remember that Gibson that you used for years mm. that you said you basically wore out because you played it so so much. So is that at home in a case mm. under the bed somewhere or have you put that in a display cabinet in the Hard Rock Cafe at uh, Gothenburg or something? <laughs> no, it, it will stay at home with me. Uh, but no, it's it's actually true. I mean, I was I had to refret it once. And when it was time to do it again, I just felt like she probably wouldn't survive that. You know, no, so yeah. I had a friend make up the, make take all the measurements, make sure it was the right woods and everything. And he was going to make me a replica of it. So I had something to play. Hmm. Uh, but then Gibson approached and said, well, we can make you a signature. And I wasn't really, I love the brand. I love Gibson but I don't like the pricing <laughs> because the point is, if yeah, I'm going to play something yeah. uh, and some people yeah. see that, uh, you know, they, they got to be able to afford it too. If I get two free guitars, that doesn't change anything because nobody could afford a guitar for, I don't know, $4,000 or whatever. It's like, yeah. that's insane. I said, well, can you make it around a thousand bucks? Because that means you can work all summer as a kid and, and maybe, maybe, you know, you can get yourself that guitar and it's got to, got to be a quality guitar. So I, I was really, really happy when, when Epiphone sent me the first prototype, and I've played those guitars ever since I got them. So it's, uh, it's amazing, the work they've done. What, what, uh, do you use amps these days? I suppose you do, but or are you just using a fractal? Yeah, XFX? always, always, always. No, 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 no. Always amps. I mean, I've used, on certain flying shows, when it's not possible, I've used um, what I call Kempers. Sure, uh, yeah. A little bit, uh, and they do the job. I mean, it's just not the same. I've never felt any of those fractals or anything has ever been the same. Two bands is, is where it's at. I really think awesome. there's yeah, you're old. There's a certain yeah. life, yeah, yeah. But it, there's a certain life to it that because it's not, it's not static. It's not the same every day. And my guitar tech Greg, he's he's been with me for twelve, thirteen years. He knows everything about the Sams. And there's nothing new in them. You know, it's the same, same old, same old. It's even getting kind of hard to get some of the spare parts because this is, you know, <laughs> I have a few of those um, Marshalls that they, they did like a, a prototype amp 
and I loved it. I was in in London actually, and and had had a go at it before it got you know, uh, even before it had a uh, what do you call it, a casing or anything. And and it was amazing. I was there, had some pointless ideas, and it was amazing to be part of that. And hmm. and then the lead designer quit, and <laughs> all those uh, ideas and amps were just standing around in a warehouse somewhere. And I managed to get my hands on a few. Uh, and those are the amps I've used ever since. And I think they managed to build a few more. I got some from friends that got prototypes as well. So I probably have the biggest uh, collections those amps in the world, thinking of it. I bet, right yeah. Now. I bet you do, yeah. Well, I'll just I'll just do a check. Is there anybody in the background there waiting to come in and interview interview you or wonder beyond is i wonder if there is just because i've got believe me there's heat i've been waiting for this opportunity no, to chat here for ages to be honest yeah yeah, yeah. no you probably hear a bling something like that once oh the bring okay gotcha. they, they yeah, yeah. so okay. yeah just shoot man okay look the, the i've got to ask you about gothenburg because it's a scene that feels very similar to what sydney was like in the late 70s and early 80s with all of the punk bands that were coming out of there that, that had a global mm. impact like the lime spiders and in excess, this sort of thing, mm-hmm. you know, but Gothenburg obviously is very famous for heavy metal and it's had a serious, huge, and a huge impact on the global scene. I mean, there's you guys obviously and at the gates, but beyond that, the haunted, evergrey, hammerfall, even hardcore mm-hmm. superstar. And when I was doing my research for our chat, even that crazy frog thing, you know, that ning, ning, ning thing that comes from yeah. somebody in, in Gothenburg and Ace of Base. I didn't yeah. realize Ace of Base were from Gothenburg, but ha- have you ever thought yeah. Sweden is, is famous for great musicians? Probably per head per capita, I estimate more great musicians come from Sweden than anywhere else in the world. But have you ever tried to reason or discuss with anybody else from Gothenburg why the city is so important for music? To be honest, this is a really hard uh, or it's an interesting subject, but it's hard to talk about it because when when I started out, I was I'd played music on the like the youth centers and stuff like that since I was probably fourteen, thirteen, fourteen, or anything. But, hmm. but when I met these guys, my cousin who's a metalhead, uh, you know, met Jesper for the first time, which was one of his best friends. Uh, they were into the same kind of music I was, uh, and they're from a way different part of town. Uh, but when we started recording together, playing songs together. We all ended up in the studio, Fredman. So I think for our genre, uh, studio Fredman or Frederick was very important. He was the hub. You know, all these bands mm. came in. You had bands from southern Sweden. You had bands from northern Sweden. Everybody came into Fredman to record with them. So I think he was the the catalyst or or the the the, the hub really gotcha. for, for this okay. kind of music. So I think yeah. I think that is more especially for our genre. Obviously, he done he's done a, a couple of different things. But really where he shines is with this kind of music. And he had a, a different approach to to uh, making a sound than perhaps they had in Stockholm at the time. He, you know, bands like Entombed and, and those. They're sure. more yeah. garage more raw. Uh, and Frederick, he had a way more polished way of doing things. And that's just something that, that a lot of bands liked, uh, us included. So I, I think he really was, for our genre, uh, more important than the city itself, I think. Um, and okay. uh, we yeah. we rarely talk about we talk about those times because like everybody was hanging there it was like a youth center like a, a where you drank beer and listened to other bands recording you just hang out there we even yeah. had a, a, a rehearsal space like a couple of floors down in the same building just so we can go up there and listen to other bands recording you know it, it was very important so 
I'd rather say so. But Sweden in general, yeah, you're right. I mean, there's only what now 10 million people living here, sure. uh, and there's yeah. a ton of bands. I I think that we realize that, you know, we can't stay in this country uh, and and do this. We, we we can actually explore the world and nobody else is interested. I think most bands here that has achieved some sort of success has been on the road, has done the touring, has exposed the music to to different audiences and, uh, mm. you know, and, and that way gained, uh, you know, uh, more ground and, and opened and paved the roads for others to follow, you know. So it's, exactly. for us it was, yeah. I, I think, Hammerfall or, uh, Hammerfall toured with Death in the U.S., Back That's in the right. day. And that was really 1999. Insane. And it's like, yeah. They, I, they, yeah, that was insane. I wish I was on that tour, you know, because Hammerfall guys are really good friends of mine, and I'm a huge Death fan. And I, I never got to see Likewise. them. So, yeah. and that kind of sucked. Yeah. But, uh, and then the Gates had been in the US, I think, as well. But not many bands had. And, and what we did, it was brand new for us. It was super small. First show we ever did was Milwaukee Metal Fest. And we had, we flew over stayed one or two days prior to the show, played for almost 20 minutes in, you know, what looked like a school cafeteria in front of <laughs> maybe a hundred people or something like that. And then flew back home. So, you know, it's quite, that was the first show we did over there. And then we got offered to do a support tour uh, with, I think it was Moons. I can't remember what the festival was. No, it was uh, probably Earth Crisis or something like that. Wow. Yeah, I remember them. Great band. It was, it was, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We didn't. That's the cool thing. I think we did some touring with bands of different genres that opened up. Uh, you know, the hardcore scene for us. We could do shows with hardcore bands, and, and hardcore followers would actually go to our shows later when we came. So we, mm. we did a lot of that tour, and the cross genre, if you will, touring was was really really fun, and it was really uh, you know interesting, and and you learned a. Uh, ton of it, a uh, ton of the stuff that we still think about today when we write, you know, you, you, mm. you, uh, we, we picked up on those tours, you know. So, something, yeah. something that I've had a chat to uh, Michael Ackerfeld from, um, oh God, it's Bansy, Opeth, of course, I've had a couple of conversations with him. Opeth, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and uh, I've also uh, spoken quite a bit to Marcus Jadil. Marcus would be one of my favourite guitarists of all time, I must say. And then, of course, mm -hmm. there, there's yourself and there's Oscar Dronjak and there's, there's plenty of others. But the other thing, too, is brilliant guitarists. I mean, Ingve is the first one that probably comes to people's mind. But he's yeah. really American these days. He's yeah. not really... I mean, I know he's from Sweden originally, but yeah, he's been in the too, US yeah. for longer. Yeah. But, but have, you, have you guys ever... I mean, I'd love to see this, mate. Like, you know, the, the best of Swedish guitarists and bring that on a tour. Like, a, you remember the G3 things that had Satriani and Steve Vai? And <laughs> have you ever thought maybe that <laughs> could happen? <laughs> I, I don't think so. I mean, we never... I don't think most of those guys, when you... I don't think they consider themselves uh, solo guitar players or just guitar players. I think most of these guys are songwriters. They love the whole thing with creating their own music. And, and I think it would be a fun thing to do, like a one-off thing when everybody goes up there, there's a couple of riffs or a couple of solos. But I've done stuff like that. Like I've guessed it on with other bands. And, and it's a fun thing to do. But I don't think to try to do something... I mean, everybody's schedule is so busy right now. So it, it would just be like a fun one-off thing if it happened. Yeah, but yeah. I, I don't know if, if that... I mean... With Ingvi, Satriani, Steve I, Zach, uh, all these guys, they, 
they are actually they are solo artists to begin yeah. with, or mm. you know that's what they do uh, most of the time, and so they're more used to that. But we're we're bands. I mean, that's when I'm where I know how to play. I I'm not a very skilled musician. I know what I like to hear, <laughs> and I try to play that. Yeah. Um, oh, I hear, that's but... really the. the, the I think the fans want this stuff. I mean, I've been, you can tell I'm a fan and I've been into heavy metal for a long time. I'd love for you guys to, to do it. it just, I'd love to hear, especially yourself, you're known as a, as a riff maniac. You know what I'm saying? Some of the riffs that you've created over the years are just, Jesus. I mean, as I say, those, those from not the debut, but the second album to the fifth album, Colony, uh, yeah. Clayman, um, I mean, your riffs are just all time. I mean, you're, you're like fucking Dave Murray or something. You know what I mean? Like, it, it'd be just <laughs> l- lovely to hear you isolated and doing music, just you, just you bringing yourself in that guitar, yeah, and that sound that you've got. Because I'd love to yeah. hear you, like, just you, not even a bass guitar next to you, just you throwing it off the rack, just your sound of your fingers on the strings and just whatever you decide to come up with on the spot. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I- I don't know. I've never thought about it. You know, it's, it, this is a, we're a band and it's always been a yeah. band thing. It's like, I've never considered myself like a, any of those guys that, that actually, they are as good as you can get at their instruments. It's, for me, it's, uh, it's always been about the songwriting and, and the help of the rest of the guys that to make what I do sound great. Mm. It, at least in my ears, it, it's really a group effort. You know, this is, it can't be just a man thing. Uh, and I was never interested in that. But yeah, I mean, I've done. I don't really like doing clinics because then people expect you to be really good at what you do. Yeah, I'm really good so. at what yeah. I do, but but not but not in general. You know, I, I'm not a. Yeah, I can't teach you how to play guitar. I can show you the basics, but if you're looking for details and stuff like that, a lot of these things just happen. I don't have a technique for it. I, you know, it, it's just if it sounds good, I try to play it. You know. And it, it's just a different mindset from some of these uh, shredders out there. It's, and I admire all of them because it's a lot of work they put in. And I, I kind of focus on the songwriting or, or, you know, instead of, of and, and probably punishing my, um, uh, what do you call it, practice uh, mm. routine by that, by, by not sitting and playing guitar every day. It's like, <laughs> I've, I've always found, uh, yeah, you know, this, there's a ton of those really, really good shredders, and, and I'm not a, one of them. But I like what I, I play, and I, I yeah. like what I hear when I play it. So, yeah, no, I hear, you. I hear. You. Yeah, it's uh, look, it's an interesting thing from the fans' perspective. We form our own view, and then obviously I get a chance to chat to you as a fan. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, and I think yeah, I, I just love to hear you isolated and, and doing something like that. But. Uh, Mate, yeah. Look, it's uh, look. I better let you go. It's been a pleasure to chat to you. I really appreciate you doing what you've done over the years. And uh, you know, I mean, the thing is with this bloody COVID thing, like we're saying at the beginning of the chat. I hope it stops, but who yeah. knows what the hell's going to happen with that? And we get to see you in Australia uh, yeah. sometime yeah, soon. Yeah, who knows, man? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can't wait to get back. We were so close. I mean, it was insane. We came to to New Zealand, and we're supposed yeah. to make a show there. Then a couple of shows in Australia, and then we just that day basically when we landed, it's like, no, no, that's not going to happen, you know. So we had to book it, take it back home. That's the longest flight for a, basically a lunch beer I ever had. So it's like <laughs> it was, it was, yeah. yeah, it was insane, really. But at the same time, if we would have stayed another day, we would have been quarantined, and then we would have missed our flights, and we would have missed Australia that's anyway. Great. So yeah, like, yeah, it was just not in the first at the time, but 
we love Australia, so we will be back. You no worries about that. I have to oh, thank you, you so much for all your kind words. You actually made me blush a couple of times. That's very nice of you. It's my pleasure, mate. You need to know this stuff. You know, I mean, sometimes yeah. I know it can be a thankless task doing what you do with fans, you know, heaping shit on bands and blabbermouth and all the rest of it. But you should know, man, you've had an impact. And what you've done is very meaningful for a lot of people. And I'm in my 40s and still listening. Just know that. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing, so, man. Yeah, it's yeah. fantastic. Thank you so much, man. Thank you so much. Thanks, brother. All the best with everything, eh? Yeah, you too, man. I hope to see you soon. For sure, mate. No worries. Catch you later. All right. right. See yeah. Bye-bye. Bye. You have been listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series that syndicates for the A-List Online. My name is Andrew Mackay-Smith, and that interview subject is Bjorn Jalot from the Swedish outfit In Flames. Thank you so much for listening.